thank you for joining us today for another edition of, of Texas by Design. Um, I'm Kevin Cron. I'm the Chief Public Market Officer here at Jones & Carter. Very excited to have Juan Chavera here today, um, Assistant Director of Capital Projects, uh, City of Houston. Um, Juan, I, I really, it's been a very interesting time for us over the last, uh, last few months, and, and I think we have a lot of topics today we'd like to cover with you. Um, that are really coming out of, of, of today, the COVID-19 type stuff and the impacts that we're seeing. Um, let's just take it away and start talking about topic number one. So COVID-19, it's, it's presented some very unique challenges to us and some disruptions in our markets. Um, you know, what, what have been the biggest challenges, biggest issues that you faced at the city of Houston? Well, uh, I think the biggest challenge for us is, is how we operate our daily functions, uh, whether it's at the office or over at the project sites themselves. And so it's forcing us to take a look at how we need to operate it in the new normal, as I say, right? So having COVID-19 has essentially forced us to telework, right? So it's having, it's forcing us to unlearn a lot of standard operating procedures that we've gained through years and years and years of sitting in cubicles or in office spaces or meeting with people in, in, in person and having that, that relationship. Um, so to, for that to happen, just cold turkey out of the blue, it's, so it's, it's forcing us to adapt quickly. And so how do we do that? So we, we work closely with the, with the HCA, the Houston Contractors Association, the ACEC, uh, firms like Jones and Carter, firms like Civil Tech. And, and we try to figure things out, like how, how can we move um, away, or during COVID-19, but together in a way to minimize the dis disruption to, um, to our products and services. And, and for what we do, it's construction projects, of course, right? Um, and so the other thing it's forced us to do is step out of our comfort zone, right? So um, having virtual meetings with people. I had a virtual meeting yesterday with a council member on a project where ordinarily I'd be at his office or I'd be with his constituents. Now I have nine people on the, on the screen. So it felt like an episode out of the Brady Bunch intro, right? Where we're all looking at each other. It's very, very interesting dynamics. But uh, it's, uh, again, it's the new way of doing things and it's exposing gained efficiencies. I think that after COVID-19, is done and over with, I think this is a good opportunity to leverage those technologies moving forward. That's fantastic. It's, it's fantastic to see how you've been able to take something that, that seemed like a, it was a major challenge, obviously, for everybody as we started this thing out. Right. But at the end of the day, you're turning it into something very positive for the city and really the community as a whole. Absolutely. Um, so out of those, what would you say is the, is the biggest short-term impact you've seen um, with your staff and really the city of Houston as a whole? Well, to us, it was more of like... Um, for the City of Houston Public Works Department, it was more, how do we transfer our functions from the office to our telework location? And so that little learning curve, um, so for people like me who have laptops, it was pretty easy. But then you have uh, some of the engineers who have uh, old computer stations that don't have the audiovisual technology or capabilities that we need for teleworking. How do we then get over that hurdle, right? So we gotta get, get through the IT challenges and how do we get the funding for the IT challenges, right? Um, okay, so now we got the audiovisual technology. What about the software? Right. And how do we learn the software? So it's a lot of you, you kind of trial, trial and error, right? But, but slowly and surely, you still have to to produce your products and services. So at the end of the day, it sounds like you guys were able to deliver results. That's right. Even though you moved to that remote environment, that's that's great. So as far as service lines and operations, very diverse group there at the City of Houston. Um, which which service lines and operations have been impacted the most? throughout this, uh, this period? I, I would say that the service lines that were, there's five service lines in Houston Public Works, right? There's a, I'm, well, I'm not gonna name them all, but I think the one that was impacted the most was Houston Water, okay. because they're the ones who are out there running and manning the plants, right? The, the wastewater treatment plants, uh, the drinking water plants, um, 
So you can't just get up and leave, right? And so I know talking to some of my colleagues in, in that service line is their challenges was one, how do you, how do you lean up the, the staffing, if you will, and how do you rotate them in such a way that you have the continuity of services, right? Um, how do you do that with social distancing? How, how do you do that with not touching each other, not being face-to-face -face with each other, or, or not touching valves or whatever? Um, so to, the, to me, that was a, an extreme challenge, uh, the, way, the way I see it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It seems like it's been a, a, a challenge for uh, construction projects as well, you know, hosting meetings and, right. and out here engaging remotely. I definitely had to do some adaption across everything that we do. Right. Um, so from a long-term perspective, I, I think we're all aware of, of um, the impacts of pulling people back into the economies, if you will. Um, but from a long-term perspective, what do you feel are going to be the biggest impacts to, to really the city or municipalities as a whole um, because of COVID-19? Um, so from the long-term perspective, I think for us as, again, as the products and, and, and um, products and services uh, provider, we don't have the luxury to be impacted. So I know uh, just recently there was, um, they, they ceased the emergency decree. Uh, the mayor didn't said everybody's got to come back to the office and stop teleworking um, to minimize interruptions to the city. Well, the thing about public works is we never stopped services, right? So this was completely transparent to the community. We still had site visits. Like, like uh, I had my project manager go on site and he pulled up his iPhone. I pulled up my iPhone and, and I said, all right, now show me this and show me that and go down into the, you know, the trench or whatever. Um, the thing is, it was completely transparent. Construction is still going on. Water is still being produced. Sewage is still being treated, mm -hmm. right? So uh, from that sense, we don't have the luxury to just shut down a library or, or you know, one of those types of services. Um, so from the long term, it's not a matter of disrupt, disrupting it, it's, it's how do we do it? Uh, the question is not, are we going to do it? Can't stop. Absolutely, we're going to do it. Is how do we become smarter, how, how do you more overcome? efficient? Right. Absolutely. 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 Well, that's great. That's great. Um, so, so kind of talking about the next topic, um, you know, you and I, we've talked about this in the past. Really, you trying to create a vision for how you want to de deliver CIP projects in the city of Houston. And really the goal being, how can we more effectively, how can we more efficiently deliver these CIP projects and really create the greatest community impact for the city of Houston? Um, you mind talking to us a little bit about that and, and really what have, what have been the biggest challenges you've seen and that you had to overcome in, 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 in doing that and setting up a, a CIP program that delivers impacts? I think like right now I'm, I'm working on, uh, on a CIP from projects that were planned many years ago, uh, different, different fiscal environment, different conditions. And so projects were planned and, and programmed, but now I'm a recipient of those projects where we are in a fiscally constrained environment. And so I may not have the luxury to um, award a project for $30 million because, you know, it, it, right. was it overscoped? I don't know. Is it too large? Could it have been segmented? Maybe. So those are the questions we need to ask ourselves is let's take a hard look at the projects on the current CIP and say, what do we really need out of this project? I mean, we really need... We're trying to squeeze blood out of, out of rock, as they say, and what I don't want to do is keep on kicking the projects down the road because we don't have the funds. Um, so we have to start asking ourselves, can we maybe de-scope them while still meeting the same intent of the project? Is it the right quality? Okay, so do I need to replace all, you know, all concrete panels or maybe just a select few with a concrete or asphalt overlay, right? It, it, at the end of the day, it's still a, a new product, right? Do I have to do the intersections or are they good for another 15 years? Right, so we need to start asking those types of questions is what projects can go from a total reconstruction to a rehab, right? Uh, of course, communicating that with, 
with the council members and, and, and department uh, leaders, of course. Um, and, and the other thing is we need to optimize our funds. Okay, so how do we do that? So right now we're looking at projects that we can segment, maybe do a $20 million project, now becomes $11 million in FY21, and the second part becomes a, an $11 million project in FY23 or FY24, right? But the point being is that we're still pushing product, projects out. Right. So I love that. I love the fact that you guys are finding ways of overcoming this and, and still delivering results. I think that's what it's about. How do we deliver results even though we have to, to look at kind of streamlining some of the processes? Right. Right. So what have you done to, to kind of overcome those challenges that you've mentioned? Um, so what have been some of the tools that you've used to actually overcome these things? So right now we're just adapting to the situation. We're, we're essentially going back to the drawing board, having a, a technical review meeting again for the second time for the same project. Uh, and looking at and asking those hard questions is, you know, for example, we're now putting Atlas 14 rainfall criteria. That project just went up 40%. Yeah. Where's that money coming from? Especially in projects that are federally funded, you know, so the feds are not going to give us the additional 40%. So we have to take that out of hide somewhere. And so that impacts our, 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 our adjacent projects on the CIP. Um, and so we really need to properly scope these projects up front. And so we developed what's called a design concept report, a DCR as we called it. Uh, it's not rocket science. It's essentially doing the things that we do in phase one as much as possible, do those before they go into the CIP. I mean, look at the overall drainage area, look at mobility, look at drainage, look at wastewater, look at whatever. I mean, you know, uh, partner with Metro, partner with TxDOT, and then look at the overall area and, and maybe segment projects that are interdependent or, or um, logically linked up and say, this one's got to go first, this one's got to go second, this one's got to go third. And then now you properly program them in the CIP, right? So in the future, you look at these projects in the CIP, and one may be in FY21, one may be 23 and 27. But the point is, at the end of the day, once they're all completed, they're all going to make sense as a system as opposed to components. And so we, we have to stop looking at the CIP as, uh, a, 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 I guess, a components, and that's it. And it doesn't work that way, right? So we need to work with Harris County Flood Control District and look at their CIP and maybe align our CIP with their CIP and say, well, maybe we need to adjust our pro projects or maybe right. we, you know, we shift some funds over to them to help out with their basin or whatever. Right, but we really need to work um, smarter in the way we approach these projects. You know, I, I love the fact that you said um, that you're looking at them as one system. Right. I, I think at the end of the day, that's uh, you know the things don't stop the jurisdictional lines of, of the city of Houston or, or the county. Right. So looking at things as one system, so that we we truly have an integrated approach that, that delivers once again more impact for the community. Right. Um, so so Juan, you've got a you've got a very interesting background. Uh, had the opportunity to serve our country. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, um, I know through that experience, you had the opportunity to definitely look at doing things a different way. So, what what lessons learned have you have you taken from that experience and been able to really bring to the city of Houston so that you've been able to to really revamp the way that y'all deliver your CIP projects? Right. So it's funny you say that about the military. One thing I did as a civil engineer officer, as an operational planner, is we there is no way we can be successful by operating in silos, right? And so I had to work with my brothers and sisters in arms and, and, and look at their requirements, look at my logistics, look at our times, look at our funding, and develop a plan and execute that plan. It's plain and simple, right? Um, so then we get here, and, and um, our, our team was awesome. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but my perspective, I, I look at some of these projects that may have been programmed as components, and when we actually go into the TRC, we find out that maybe it's not achieving the level of service that we desire. And then we look at the project right next to that one and, 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 the, and the creek maybe 
may not have the capacity. So then you got to you know put, put a pause on this and and bring in all the consultants. And I did this recently for a few projects over at the Freeway Manor area. Um, so there's three projects in that area to include a basin from flood control. And we said, what are we doing? Let's let's put it all together. And even some of the future projects we're planning, put those in there if you will, and and apply Atlas 14, do some dynamic modeling, do some mobility analysis. And what what's happening is it's totally shifting the system of projects where, hey, maybe this doesn't work anymore. What if we maybe delete this project, if you will, and, and add this new project down here, right? Run the numbers again, right? So now we have a system that works. And now we have data input we can give to the individual consultants and say, adjust your plans, go, right? That's fantastic. That is fantastic. I think um, I think it's very powerful. There's no doubt that we're, we're entering a new frontier as it relates to to thinking about our, our projects and really managing our people and, and making impacts once again, mm -hmm. it's, it's very powerful. Um, so next topic that I'd like to talk about is a little bit more on that. You know, things don't end at those jurisdictional lines. Um, coordination, collaboration, interdependency, working with other agencies is critical. That's the only way we're gonna solve the challenges that we have in today's right. environment. So kind of what have you done in, in working um, with agencies across the Houston metro area and really learning how to leverage those, those cross dependencies and the ability to fund things on a larger scale by working with these agencies? What lessons have you learned from that? Well, the lessons I learned is, you know, uh, engage them early and often. Yeah. Don't, don't wait until we've mobilized or they've mobilized um, to find out that I see a construction crew working right next to a project that I'm planning, which will impact right. my project. And, and so again, going back to the teamwork process, um, we meet with Harris County Flood Control very often. We meet with Harris County very often, um, Textile very often, right? And, and so I look at, uh, through the planners in, in, in uh, Houston Public Works, we go to the flood control district and say, what's your CIP looking like? I know you guys have bonds uh, uh, funded projects. Look at our CIP and then kind of try to line up the CIP efforts, right? And, you know, we don't know what we don't know, and they don't know what they don't know. But if, if we put both of our plans together, we, we will say, hey, I need you to, I'm going to request that you move up this base, detention basin, because it's totally going to impact my projects, which are um, in the queue for FY22, let's right. say, right? And if they're not ready to fund it, maybe that's where we come in and we negotiate a deal. We transfer some funds or, you know, talk about the maintenance or whatever. But the point is that we're talking, right? And sometimes it doesn't work out in such a way where the basin comes first and then the project comes second. Sometimes they come concurrently, or maybe the project comes first, but the basin comes a little bit after that. But the point being is that we're working together now as right. a system. So setting expectations, Absolutely. communicating, and just getting out there ahead of these projects. That's fantastic. Absolutely. That is fantastic. And that's a great message, I think, once again, for our community. Well, this concludes part one of our two-part interview. Once again, we really appreciate you guys joining us and being a part of Texas by Design. If you enjoyed our show today, please go online and give us a five-star rating. Um, we also ask for you to continue to follow us on social media, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's a pleasure for, to have you. Thank you very much. We look forward to seeing you soon.